think I am. Yes. And welcome to Redig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network on the internet, broadcasting from two shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Krieg. And we are the ladies of Groundworks Inc. who continue to design, build, and maintain gardens all around New York, even though it's 30 degrees today. <laughs> and our gardeners hate us right now. Um, and this show bring tries. Uh, we aim to bring the culture to horticulture. That's our aim. It's on the board right now behind me. Our aim to bring the culture to horticulture. Pow, pow. Oh, pow. <laughs> That's what fifth grade teachers do. They put the aim on the board. Um, so today's show is sponsored by Hearst Ranch, which is the nation's largest single source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, go to www.hearstranch.com and buy some and support this station. So, Alice, today... Um, it's it's cold. It's December and lip puckering sitness citrus. <laughs> yeah, um, I titled this show from China citrus from China with love. Nice, good. <laughs> Sounds like a Bond yeah. movie, doesn't it? Um, and it's very cold, and and we decided to talk about citrus because it's part of our fruit of the month club where we talk about seasonally appropriate fruits and not underwear. Not underwear, no. <laughs> is there a oh, citrus? That's fruit in, of the loom. Yeah, I don't think there's a citrus in the fruit of the loom. Is there an orange in the fruit? I'm not sure. I'll good have, question. I'll good have, trivia <laughs> question. Come on, yes. Facebook. Friends. All right. Is there an orange in the fruit of the loom? We want to know. <laughs> um, I don't wear them, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> um, anyway, of course, citrus is not locally produced here in the Northeast, and it's not. But it is synonymous with winter and the holidays. You've got the clove-studded oranges, those juicy clementines by the sackful that, you know, we love to fill our kitchens with that have a beautiful perfume. And um, for me, a new discovery from last year was this um, citrus um, hybrid called the Honeybell, which is a cross between um, a grapefruit and a tangerine. And it was really interesting. It was really, really juicy. Like, they send, they send them with bibs. Really? Like <laughs> yes. a lobster? Yes. That's, oh my God. They're, they're Imagine so having juicy. a lobster and, <laughs> and honey, a honey, bell. honey bell. So, yes. Dinner. They've been around, I think, since the 30s um, down in Florida. They developed them. And they, they've never seen them in the marketplace. I've only ever seen them mail order. So, I sent some to friends, and they're really, really good tasting. FYI, there is no orange in the fruit of the loom. Oh. Jack. Oh, thank, just, thank just you, let Jack. Let me know. <laughs> For all of you Googlers out there. Okay. Uh, I knew Jack couldn't resist that. <laughs> he had to find out. Wah, wah. Wah. 
Okay, uh, back to business. Back to business. So if you're like me, of course, you're wishing for warmer weather. And it's like, you know, as I said, hovering below freezing now. So citrus is going to transport us to Florida and the land of sunshine. And of course, we can't just talk about oranges and regular citrus. We have to veer off the beaten path as we're wont to do. And who better to lead us down the horticultural road less traveled but our friend Scott Appel calling in from Vieques, Puerto Rico. The green man. The green man. Scott, are you with us? Scott? Carmen. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. We can, we can hear you now. You know, Scott, the other day you made me very envious because you said you had to turn on the heater because it was 65 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. I was like, <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> and, Frank, and frankly, I was going to tell you, I don't wear underwear, so I did not answer the question. Even better. <laughs> oranges everywhere. I don't think oranges belong in underwear. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, on a more serious note, let's talk about Scott. Some of you who listen to the show regularly have heard Scott have heard Scott's wisdom, but I want to um, sort of inform the rest of you who aren't li- who haven't heard the show before. Scott is the Green Man. He is a self-professed culinary horticulturist. Although he's a professional horticultural taxonomist, he is also a trained baker, chef, and culinary historian. Combining all of these disciplines into one, he explains to his cooking and gardening students the history of the diverse herbs, fruits, and vegetables used in the kitchen or cultivated in both temperate and tropical gardens. He's the author of several books and innumerable articles. He lives, teaches, writes, and cooks and gardens, of course, in Vieques, Puerto Rico. But I don't even think you garden. You're more like farm, Scott, don't you? I mean, you're, you have a farm of a farm scale, don't you? Well, it's a really big garden. We do have yeah. four acres. <laughs> That's a farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all planted. A lot of it is wild, but it's a lot of space. Yeah. So well, cultivating plants, yeah. you know. So what are you growing now? What's uh, What are you growing and eating right now that's... Um... Well, the latest thing I'm picking um, is a plant, once again, that you guys, I'm sure, have not heard of before. Uh, and the common name is Otaheide Gooseberry. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's a common name. Gooseberry, of course, is implying that it's small and sour. And Otaheite are, uh, are, is a group of islands in the South Pacific. But the, in Botanical Latin, it's Philanthus acidus. And acidus, like the word acid, oh. tells us how sour it is. But the interesting thing about it, the, the fruit is small, like a grape. Pale, pale, translucent yellow, really, really sour and juicy. But I happen to really love sour. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the, interesting, the interesting thing about this uh, tree is, it's a small tree, is that it's the member of the Euphorbiaceae. So that tells you it's a poinsettia cousin. Uh-huh. And it's one, it's one of the few edible members of that plant family. Oh, cool, right. Yes, I know. Yes, that's Euphor- a poisonous. Yeah, they're a pretty toxic family. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I have a pretty toxic family, too. You Sorry. Marquiasier. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just a joke. That's not true. Um, anyway, back to poinsettia euphorbia. Yeah. So that's what I'm picking now. And uh, always bananas. And, of course, we're talking about citrus today, and I happen to have 24 kinds. Yes, yeah. So what should we, what should we start with uh, today? Well, well, let me tell you a little bit of botany. You know, I love talk, sharing tidbits about botany yes. and tell you uh, a Greek myth. Good. And then we'll take it from there. Okay. Um, let's start with the plant family of citrus. 
we know the word citrus, C-I-T-R-U-S. Well, it's the genus as well as the common name, citrus. Mm-hmm. And there's many, many, there's actually really only a handful of species, and the rest are all hybrids, like the one you mentioned uh, in your opening uh, statement. Um, many, many kinds. But what plant family does it belong to? Well, it belongs to a plant family called the Rutaceae. That's R-U-T, like Tom, Rutaceae. Now, plant families are always named after a genus. Liliaceae is after lilies. Rosaceae is after roses. Rutaceae is after the genus Ruta. Hmm. And if, if, if you were a member of the Herb Society of America, you would know Ruta graviolins. And that's Ru, R-U-E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, planted at um, doorways to keep away evil in some cultures, right? Yes, it's very bitter. It's used in the making of chartreuse, the liqueur. Uh, sometimes it's used as an edible herb. But that's, that's the plant family that oranges and all citrus belong to. Now, here's a myth. We all know what a citrus is. We've all cut them open. And when you read a cookbook or you use a grapefruit knife, and we call them segments, you know, you take apart a tangerine, and you get these little segments. Well, in the world of pomology, Mm -hmm. there's there's a real science of fruit called pomology, named after the goddess Pomona, Mm -hmm. who's goddess of the orchard. Well, those aren't called segments in botany. They're called carpels, C-A-R-P-E-L-S, carpels. And... Uh, when you cut up uh, when you cut up an, uh, a tomato or a green pepper, those spaces are carpels as well. Now, citrus are modified berries. Right. Believe it or not, even though you would never know it. So here's a myth, and then we'll, you'll see where, the, where we're going with this, and I'll tell it as quickly and succinctly as I can. Okay. Hera and Athena and Aphrodite. This is a Greek myth. Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite all loved a guy named Paris. This is Paris, whose brother Hector from Paris and Hector from the, this is from the story of Troy, Helen of Troy. Right. Well, they, well, they all love Paris. And they said, we all want to go out with you. You have to pick one of us. Well, Paris knew perfectly well. He couldn't just pick one goddess to go out with, because then you will have spurned two others. And having two goddesses mad at you is not a good thing. Right. And, of course, if he said no to all three, then he has three pissed off at him. <laughs> so he said, I have an idea. Let's have a race. And which one of you gals can catch me, you can have me. And they go, <laughs> wait, cool. <laughs> but he has a plan. And Paris went to the island of the Hesperides. And the Hesperides were a group of ladies who watched the tree of the golden apples. Now, scholars know that there were no apples in ancient Greece. And they think that this was an orange tree. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they have guarded with the aid of a giant snake. And in fact, if you remember Jason and the Golden Fleece, this is the tree in which the fleece hung. But that's a whole other myth. Anyway, he goes to this island, picks three oranges, goes back, and they begin the race. And he's running along, and he drops an orange. And one goddess picks it up because she's totally enthralled. And then he drops another one, and another goddess stops and picks it up. And of course, he drops the third one. So she gets involved, and he wins the race unscathed. The whole, and it's a fun story, but the whole point is the very specific name of citrus fruit in pomology is, is a Hesperidium. Right. And that is thanks to the island of From the, the Hesperides. Island. Yeah, great. That's a great so, story. 
Mm-hmm. So it's very specific. So they are modified berries, believe it or not, no matter how big or small. Now, where shall we go? <laughs> Let's start large. <laughs> how about Citrus Grandis? <laughs> Pomelo. Pomelo. I'm sorry, say that again. Oh, let's start with the biggest, or one of the biggest, the pumelo, the citrus grandis. Well, all citrus, the citrus species, the wild ones, quote-unquote, um, there's one, two, oh, there might be six, literally. The rest are all hybrids. They come from China and Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So they're China, which is the name of, of, of the show today. Uh-huh. And... Well, here's another story. <laughs> although, although, this is, although this is not a myth, this is the truth. Um, the culture that changed the face of the culinary arts and horticulture were the Muslims. Yes. And people don't really realize that. And the Muslims, if I said the Silk Road, the Silk Road, you know right. what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. The mm-hmm. Spice you know, Wars. Trading, yeah. trading for, uh, for silk in China, taking it across uh, um, the lower part of Europe, right. you know, uh, through the Balkans, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Well, Muslims took citrus and dispersed them throughout their empire. Remember, Muslim, you know, the, the Muslims. Uh, from Constantinople to North Africa and Spain and Portugal and up through Italy and Sardinia and Sicily was all occupied by Muslims. Oh, right. Yeah. They, they, they are the people that begin, began to breed and select oranges and other citrus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were trading so, before any of the Europeans. Oh, way before. Yeah. We're talking... We're talking Five in you know five hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is, this is pre-crusades, right? Um, so, for example, although we're saying that citrus come from Southeast Asia and China, look at the word tangerine. Mm-hmm. I know I'm digressing. I'm, I know I'm digressing, but um, tangerine means from Tangiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's North Africa. Right. That's where that was bred by the Muslims. That's really interesting, Scott. And then they brought it to Spain and to Italy and, yes. and, and the Mediterranean, where they do flourish still really well. Absolutely. When you think of Seville orange marmalade, yes. you know, that's, that's citrus orontium. That's the sour orange. Of course, I have that here, and we grow it all over the place down here. But that was introduced by the Muslims. Right. They never had oranges before. Right. Yeah. And I remember growing up... Um, with my parents, you know, who you've met, Scott, they, we, they speak a dialect of Italian that's influenced a great deal by a lot of different languages because the South was invaded so many times. And in our dialect, the word for orange is called portuale. It, it's not, oh. so we know where that comes from, you know, obviously from Portugal. That was an old term, you know, like the fruit from Portugal. Huh, amazing. Huh? Because the proper word in Italian for orange is arancio, and it doesn't sound at all yeah. like portuale, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I always remember that. I said, this must be a really old Special, word, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, here in our local dialect of Spanish, Puerto Rican Spanish, naranje mm-hmm. is the sour orange. But if you mean sweet orange specifically, you have to say china. 
China. C-H-I-N-A. And that's the country China. Mm-hmm. Right. From whence, from whence it came. Yeah. So it's, it's all very interesting. So are we talking horticulture or, la- or language? It's all. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's, it's both. Connected. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have an interesting quote I wanted to share, Scott. You might appreciate this. Uh, moving forward uh, maybe a few hundred years, there was um, this gentleman by the name of Luis Vaz de Camoes, this writer, in 1572. He described lemons. He wrote this epic poem and in which he recounts da Gama's ventures on behalf of Portugal. We're on the subject of, you know, Portuguese and Portu- Portugal. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about the newfound lemons that, you know, they were new to Portugal and Spain and Europe in general. And he described them in his epic poem as fair as the virgin's breasts. <laughs> oh, there we go. Back to the Greek myth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can't get away from the That's breasts. Right. <laughs> the bad behavior, yes. the <laughs> desire, you know, the, the sour sucking <laughs> taste. <laughs> yeah. And you can't get away from the shape, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we have to take a break. Um, you're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Scott, stay on the phone. We'll hear mm-hmm. more and speak more in a few moments. Welcome back. You're listening to We Dig Plants, Heritage Radio Network. We have Scott Appel as our guest today talking about citrus. And uh, that was a song by Citrus Jam, a smooth song called Lady in Mahoon. And, uh, you know, thinking about citrus, you're thinking about warm, tropical, bossa nova-like situations. (laughs) (laughs) Or really, you know, like our producer said, it sounds like really bad doctors waiting music. (laughs) (laughs) so So back to the citrus scott um well uh, well um to go back to your last statement about um the quote when you said he was describing the new lemon Mm -hmm. right remember that lemons are not wild lemons are a human made hybrid and it's a cross between citron Mm -hmm. which is citrus medica the sour lime, which we would know as key lime, that citrus olentifolia, and the pomelo, that citrus grandis. So it's a man-made hybrid. When, when, when was that hybrid created, Scott? Do you know that? You know, no. I actually, I, let me think. No. But they were in cultivation easily in the 13 and 1400s. So I could look it up, but I don't have the information in my head. In your brain. But it was probably, as you were saying, probably the Muslim culture. The Muslim, because the kefir limes and... Do you think? Yeah. Um, So that's very interesting that it's mentioning the new lemon. Yeah, in 1572. It was new. 
Yeah. You know, and we take it for granted. But, of course, there are so many kinds of citrus. And um, we talked about citrus hystrix before. Right. That's H-Y-S-T-R-I-X, which, of course, tells us in botanical Latin that it's spiny. Um, we haven't talked about culture. And, of course, where I live here, we grow them outdoors in the ground, in a pot. Of course, people in Florida, in Louisiana, in Southern California, they can grow them. But what do folks do that live up in the north? Well, one, one plant or one type of citrus to grow is citrus hystrix because it's the leaves that are used culinarily. Mm-hmm. And you never have to worry about it flowering and fruiting because really... Most citrus will not flower and fruit on a windowsill. No. One, one, one kind that will, and we've talked about this as well, is citrus microcarpa. That's the calamondin orange. Right. And you remember that from Mrs. Wu and bonsai plants, etc. Um, yeah, I actually have that on my windowsill, and it smells sweet. Um, and I guess I'll make some jam out of it. <laughs> but, well, it does, it does make extraordinary uh, marmalade. Yeah. But they're really sour to eat out of hand. Exactly. Now, that's a cross between um, a sweet orange and a genus called another citrus, which is the genus Fortunella, and we haven't talked about that yet. That's the kumquat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's used so a lot in Asian cuisine, or is that eaten out of hand, Scott? Um, yes. Yes, it's, it's candied. Mm-hmm. It's eaten out of hand. It's the few, one of the few citrus, actually the only citrus, I think, where you eat the skin and the seeds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very helpful and very high fiber, and I happen to love them, you know, completely. Um, well, let's so what talk- do people do? You know, there is a citrus, which is hearty, and I'm sure you ladies know it. Mm-hmm. Although it's very sour, and that is the trifoliate orange. Yes. Pontiris trifoliata. Yes, yes. Kind of. Very, bl- yeah. very black bark. It blooms orange uh, fragrant flowers like forsythia when the tree is leafless. Mm-hmm. Then produces really hard, very bitter fruit, which are incredibly fragrant. And a balsam will just perfume the house. So people can grow a citrus out in their garden in the north, although, of course, it's not the kind that you would sit down and eat because it's far too bitter. Um, But really, to grow citrus in the north, you need a greenhouse or a bay window Mm -hmm. or um, some sort of glass enclosure. It's nice to have them outdoors in a herb garden in a pot. Yeah. It will be a pot. But then what on earth do you do with them? Yeah, if you don't, we only have one client that has a greenhouse, and actually his oranges are yeah. ripening now as we speak. Um, we we kept it out all summer in his garden. It's a huge tree. Yeah, it's in, and we then it's in a pot, and then we brought it into the greenhouse about a month ago, um, and it's they're just starting to ripen, and we're really excited about that. Um, but he's I the only person. That, in, that is great. Well, you know, when you look at um, architecture, and we're talking, oh, from the 1400s, 1500s, of course, in French would be orangerie. Right. Yes. Or in, uh, in Italian, the limonaia. They would be, to us, they would look really like garages with glass doors, and they would lock <laughs> up their citrus at, in the winter, and they would, of course, be really miserable and defoliate. But they would bring them out in the spring, and they would bloom and have fruit. Right. So you could overwinter them in a cool 
garage, not freezing cold, but a cool garage, and let them defoliate, but keep them watered. Yeah, that's key. I think people forget um, that you do have to water in the winter <laughs> as well yeah. as in the summer. <laughs> Um, um, I, I want to talk, Scott, a little bit about the uh, Buddha's hand. Well, Citrin well Medica. I'm, I, I'm growing that as well. Uh, it's, the gene, it's, it's the citron, that's C-I-T-R-O-N, citron. Mm-hmm. And it's Citrus Medica. Medica is the species, and that sounds just like medicine, and it's, it's the same exact root word because it was used... Um, as a medicine way back when. Um, it is edible. It's very bitter. It's like, looks like a grapefruit, but, but the grapefruit with the shape of a lemon. But it has a, a, a subspecies, and it's called Buddha's hand. Now, we talked about carpels before, right. where each little segment is a carpel. Now, in Buddha's hand, and that's a common name, and it's in fact used as an offering to Buddha, hence the common name in, uh-huh. in Southeast Asia. Each carpal is separate and has its own skin covering. So you have to picture a citrus that isn't round, but has all these finger-like projections because each carpal has its own skin. Right. I love them. They're beautiful. Yeah, they use them a lot in florist decorations. So being that it's called a cultivar, Scott, it was developed. It wasn't a sport. It was actually developed to look like that. No, it had to have been a sport on Mm -hmm. a branch. Okay. And then the branch was was, uh, asexually propagated. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was developed. Um, And yes, you do find them. Of course, I remember them from New York in the florist district. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good for tanning because there's so much skin. Yes. In fact, I'll give you a really quick recipe for candying citrus if you don't mind. Yeah, yes, please do. Um, you need a really good great, uh, vegetable peeler, really nice and sharp. And you take your citrus, any kind of citrus, although limes don't work because their skin is so thin. Mm-hmm. And you peel them. And you only want the colored part of the skin, not the white. And you can leave them as entire, or you can sliver them up with a sharp knife. And you boil the, the, the skins up, the pieces up, oh, maybe five or six minutes in plain water. Uh-huh. Drain them, refresh them under cold water, make a simple sugar syrup. That's one cup sugar to two-thirds cup water. Bring that to a boil, plunk your boiled skins into that, boil it up for a few minutes, let the whole thing cool, and pack it up into clean glass jars and pop it into the fridge. Then you have your own homemade candied citrus peel for cakes or cookies or dipping in chocolate. Yeah. Um, it's really easy. It lasts, it lasts practically indefinitely in the refrigerator. And it tastes so much better than the kind that you can buy. Um, actually, my husband, my mother-in-law, um, taught me how to make it with oranges. She makes an amazing um, candied orange peel. And uh-huh. we, we've, you know, it doesn't last. I mean, you know, the week that she comes and makes it, um, we eat it. Like, we put it in the fridge oh, yeah. with the intention of saving it and using it. <laughs> but it, it doesn't last more than a week or two. It is so no, incredible. It's delicious. And, in fact, it's the kind of, and when you dip them in chocolate, you can put them in little candy cups, like um, miniature cupcake liners, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And um, in very 
fancy dinner parties, there's a, a course called the Friandise. That's F-R-I-N-D, like David, I-S-E-S. Friandise. Hoity-toity dinner party. After you have dessert and you put out the coffee and cognac, you put out Friandise. And they include things like petit fours, which, of course, in French would be petite fours, uh-huh. little ovens, mm-hmm. or truffles. And, of course, your chocolate-dipped candied citrus peel. Mm. And then you have little nibblies and your coffee and cognac. And that's a whole separate course. What time is that? Uh, I'll be over. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Scott's great, fabulous dinner parties at at that Soho loft with that huge glass wall and all of your plants. Yes, that was a while ago, huh? Yeah. But I bet your life is still as luxurious down in down in uh, Puerto Rico, Vieques. Well, you know, I I do I do love it, frankly. Yeah. And you know, I made Indonesian food the other day, and of course, I used my own coffee or lime leaves. Uh-huh. But of course, I went out to the garden, to the herb garden, and, and dug my own ginger, and dug up my own turmeric, <laughs> and That's used my own cardamom. Great. So. You know, um, it has advantages, even though I freeze at 65 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't do well right now here, Scott. We've had a deep, deep freeze this week, and we were... Freakish. Yeah. Freakishly. It's about 10 or 15 degrees um, colder than normal, and normal is cold. (laughs) Yeah. So I heard about that on the radio, as a matter of fact, from uh, the Arctic Blast. Yes, yeah, it's exactly. coming down. Well, do you have some sources, Scott, that you'd like to share um, um, for maybe citrus plants? or? Um... Yes. yes, absolutely. <laughs> and all of our citrus we got from one place. It's absolutely amazing. It's called Well Sweep Herbs. Oh, they grow uh, citrus as well? Interesting. Yes, you can get little pots. They're coming, oh, I don't know what you'd say, maybe two and a half or three inch square pots, mm-hmm. and they're cuttings. Okay. So, you know, they're not selling grafted trees. Yeah. They're you know, babies. Here, yeah. They're babies, and so they'll take a few years. But, of course, down here, yeah. they've all, you know, matured and are bearing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know perfectly well when I ran the nursery back in Columbus, Ohio, we used to get grafted trees in. You know, standard, you know, three feet or four foot tall grafted citrus tree. And mm-hmm. I know you can get those in the States during the summertime, but then once again, you need a place for them in the winter. The win- yeah, yeah. Now, when you say uh, grafted, some people might not know what that is, Scott. Um, what, do they, what does grafting mean in terms of citrus? What stock are they putting, on, putting it onto? Well, number one, let's describe what the term means. Mm-hmm. It means you're actually. Really, I guess you would have to say surgically mm-hmm. combining one plant on top and, and uh, on top of a, uh, another plant. So you're, you're putting two plants together surgically, mm-hmm. and they heal and they grow as one. That's mm-hmm. about as basic as I can get. Yeah. That's a good description uh, of it. Yeah, scion is the top part, and uh, stock is the root part. And many people use different plants for the stock. Mm-hmm. If you're growing citrus where it's in northern Florida, where it can get really chilly, people use Poinsiris trifoliata because it's so hardy. Mm. Other people might use lemons because lemons are surprisingly cold-resistant, far more cold-resistant than oranges are. And remember, the stock 
whether we're talking about grafted apples or avocados mm-hmm. or mangoes or whatever kind of tree, mm-hmm. the stock chemically, how should we phrase this really simply, chemically uh, um, uh, influences the scion, the top part. Oh, okay. You would think that they don't interact because you know they're well, they're just plants, and you just put them together. But oddly enough, one interacts with the other, so it can make a plant shorter. It can make a uh, it can make a tree shorter. It can make a tree hardier. Right, and that's how you you breed in the characteristics that you're desiring. But it can't. Uh, yes, but it doesn't yes. affect the fruiting, though, Scott. Right, the reproductive part, or does it? It does. It does. Right. Number one, you use the word breed, and you cannot use that because there's no sex going on. That's True. right. Right. Forgive me. Okay. Right. You I'm thinking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you're getting the picture. This is like a, 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 a surgery. This is a physical thing. This is not about uh, sex. Uh, right. DNA. Right. You know. Okay. So it influences, but it can influence fruiting. And mm. if you have a good scion and you want fruit faster. Mm-hmm. You graft it. So, for example, down here, and I know we're talking about citrus, but any kind of citrus, even or avocados. If you grow an avocado from seed, or if you grow a citrus from seed, well, you can wait 15 years before it has a <laughs> flower. Right. But if you graft it, you can have fruit the next year. Cool. And that's an amazing, because, and that's such a, and that's an ancient uh, technique, Scott. You know, it's been yeah, going on for centuries. At, for millennia. Millennia, yeah. They were doing it in ancient Rome, believe me. People had this figured out for thousands of years already. Right. nothing new. Because they didn't want to wait. They didn't want to wait, you know? And how they discovered it, I mean, you know, the minds that figured it out, I mean, that's pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, I grew, I have a a grapefruit hedge. Wow. And I've had it it for eight years. It's, It's never flowered. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so even down here, citrus from seed don't always do it. Now, here's an, a really quick factoid. We've all planted citrus seeds before because, you know, they're easy to grow. We love a good house plant. Mm-hmm. When you plant a bean, you get a one bean plant. When you plant a citrus, one seed in a pot, you might see six sprouts coming up, and that's called polyembryonic where there's one, more than one embryo in the seed. Oh, so wow. If you're, if you're a citrus breeder uh-huh. and you plant seeds, how do you figure out which is the, one of them is the hybrid. Yeah. The rest are all clones. You have to grow them all. And see what happens. Right. And see what happens. Can wow. you imagine? Wow. That's a lot of space and time and investment. Yes, yes, absolutely. Wow. And it's one of the few seeds that do that, have more than one embryo. But only one is the genetic offspring of, of the mating of the two plants. Oh, if, that's you know, super if, if, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, we are unfortunately out of time, but Scott, we want to have you back, of course, to talk more about everything that you know. Your brain is filled <laughs> with fun, fun experience and information. So let's figure out another topic and have you back on soon, okay? 
If I would love to. And, and don't forget uh, uh, basic botanical Latin. We should have one on that. Yeah. Yes, let's do it this winter. That's great. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott. Well, oh, thank you, my friend. Stay warm. We'll talk soon, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Okay. Well, okay, my dears, you be well. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, okay, we're wrapping up Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to We Dig Plants. Thank you, Scott, for sharing your knowledge. We always come away having learned so much. Thanks to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Thanks to Hearst Ranch. Thanks to um, Jack Inslee for producing and engineering. An archive of the show is available at heritageradionetwork.com. We Dig Plants. Join our Facebook fan page, Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. Thanks so much.